Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the bestoprods.com movies and television podcast. As always, I'm dead. Joining me today, we have Caveman. Hey, sorry for the gap. Yeah, sorry about Personal that. Personal reasons. Personal reasons, technical issues, scheduling conflicts, all kinds of shit. Life happens sometimes. Yeah. But hey, we're back. We're here with a podcast that Caveman will never finish because he doesn't listen to podcasts that are more than 30 minutes long. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so, what have you been watching then in the, in the month, year, decade since we last recorded? Well, I'm going to start off with something that I'm going to declare spoiler warnings for. If you don't want to hear about Black Panther, come back. Probably five, given how little time I talk about. Um, Black Panther. I fucking look in a blanket state. Um, um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Two. This is my current favorite Marvel movie. Okay, I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy Two, so like Black. Panther see one my top three in that order those are all movies that i am more than willing to watch again and again and again and it's and black panther took that slot not because i'm black but because it actually deserves it that is how adamant i am about this movie it is very very i love this movie i true i Every single character in it is fun, makes sense for their role, plays their character, and it's not filled with stupid-ass jokes that ruin the moment or destroy other comics. World War Hulk! Sorry, I'm still mad about that. Yeah, okay, that kind of... Okay. World War Hulk is one of my favorite Hulk books, and they treat two of the most important characters from that like jokes in the Thor movie. Yeah, Thor and it pisses me off. Thor Ragnarok was Thor Ragnarok was a fun movie if you don't look at it in the context of the rest of anything. Yeah, it off that they you know two pivotal characters kind of setting to Hey, I thought he was dead, but he's not. <sighs> that was the director. Sorry, sorry. Had to uh, had to let let out a little rage there, but um, no. Black Panther is amazing. Um, and honestly, the movie was helped a little bit by me watching a video where someone was like, "And this is the the like mystical super science that could go into Black Panther suit and how it could really work." And I'm like, "Oh, that shit is cool! It's 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 so cool! It's stupid, but it's cool at the same time." Ah, oh. so yeah, I, I was I was in love with this movie. Um, basic outline overview. Um, it takes place after the other movies, you know, where Black Panther's father, uh, King T'Chaka, I think it was. Yeah, T'Chaka. Is dead. 
So he steps up to claim the throne, and there's ritual combat, and that's cool. And then, like, we get introduced to other characters. And my one real problem with this movie is that it killed off one of its potential villains. That could have, like, it could have been a lot more interesting if he had still been around. It kind of reduces Claw from mostly intelligent supervillain to, I don't know, Joker, Joker ripoff. Yeah, that's kind of, Marvel does it a lot. They really fuck up their villains. Yeah. But like, like, even even the one that like kind of is a Joker ripoff, they fucked up. Which one's that? Malekith. Which one is he in? The Dark Elf from Thor: The Dark World. Oh yeah, yeah, they did fuck him up. They made him way too serious. Yeah, like in fucking the comics. If you are reading the Mighty Thor, then he had a whole fucking big story arc in there. Where yeah, he's just this fucking. He's like Eclipso or the Joker or whatever. He's just this fucking. Trickster asshole, dark elf fucker, is out there manipulating dudes and just fucking doing all kinds of dirt. But no, my absolute favorite character in this is the little sister. Because she's the exact kind of character I would play. The crazy inventor who is always trying to get into the action, but no one is letting them into the action. (laughs) She's the one with the weird, like, panther hand cannon things. Yes, the kitty paws. Um, <laughs> Mabel would them love them. her. That's what I call them because it's 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 Mabel's cat lasers from Gravity Falls. Remember <laughs> the episode when they're in Stan's head and she just like two cat heads on her hands that shoot lasers. That's what that girl made. Oh fuck, you're right, shit. <laughs> and it's it's so great. It's just so great. Oh man. Okay, this is weird. I was just looking up some I was just looking some stuff up for Black Panther and one of the images that came one of the things that came up was a Kotaku article called The Art of Black Panther and the feature image is Keanu Reeves. Okay, that's interesting. But Keanu uh-huh. Reeves as a like But Keanu Reeves like with his hair from the Dracula movie? I'm sorry. So that's a thing. Um, um, but yeah. Do major players on both sides. Um, um, other than T'Challa. Um, and I feel bad for rewatch times eventually, but she's amazing because um, she's the head scientist for the entire country. And of course they give her the cliche, oh, I'm going to book tradition at every step for any genius in any story. Yeah, totally. Like, you can't tell me what to do, Dan. Like the- I don't know why they feel like people can't just be like, and this is tradition, so I'm going to just accept it. Because I if mean, you're a genius, then not- you're an unfettered creative who can't be strapped down by the by the fucking shackles of tradition, man. But it's not hurting anything. Tradition literally harmed any of it. 
fucking bothered. The, the the stereotype is that tradition does hurt progress, though. That's the thing. People are like, hey, I want to do yes, this way. It makes things easier and great. And everybody's like, fuck you. Tradition. And then even when it's not that case, that has become the character. If you are young and smart, you hate tradition, even if the tradition literally doesn't affect you. Welcome to movies. Yeah, it just, like, that's something that's always going to bother me. And now I have that filler on the roof song stuck in my head. <laughs> but then there's uh, Love Interest. And I call her that because that's, like, how she's introduced at first. And then she turns into a badass super spy, like, five seconds later. Is she the one played by the Walking Dead lady? I, I don't know. I ju- I don't know. I have never watched Walk. Hmm. Um. But like our first introduction, second, and telling him and her, and like it's like obvious, like oh she's a pretty girl. Well, okay, so, so that that's the joke. And he shows up, and he immediately freezes up. Dispatch, like, right there. <laughs> and it's like establishing that this character is a badass and emotionally affects very even bothered by it, by it, like I am in most movies. They're lazy about it. And it's badass because she just murks some dude who is about to kill him. <laughs> like, you froze, didn't you? Going <laughs> on to his um, like they're like a good portion of their royal army. It seems are bald women. Yeah, which yeah, like, the royal guard okay. is a tribe of, is a fucking group of warrior women. Yeah, badass. First off, um, oh my fucking, and she's like. His second and like to a leader of another tribe or something. I'm not quite sure how that that, that dynamic worked, but I know they were in love. Um, and she's a fucking badass. Then they get a bit when uh, um wig because she has to blend in with. I cannot wait to get this thing off my head, <laughs> which is great. I love it. Uh, um. And then, of course, we have T'Challa, who, if, you, if you've if you watched, you know, Captain America Winter Soldier, then you know who T'Challa is. It, uh, he's, it's basically it's, that character. Uh, Captain America know, Civil War. Greater emotional. Sorry, Civil War. My yeah, he wasn't a Winter Soldier. And given greater. I, okay, I mentioned Winter Soldier earlier. Okay. Okay, and I'm just going to let you know. For some fucking reason, Discord hates you and drops my fucking ping to two thousand milliseconds, so I can't actually hear what any. I can't actually hear anything you're saying. Yeah, exclusively for me, I'm just like piecing together based off of what I am picking up. So yeah, this is going to be heavily edited and sound weird, or just not going up because I fucking can't. I'm not that good an editor. <laughs> 
So we'll be right back. Just give me a second to check. Give me a second to test it. We'll be right back, everybody. <laughs> We're back, everybody. Apologies for any issues that come up with audio. We're having connectivity problems. For seemingly no goddamn reason. Anyway, uh, as I said, T'Challa is, you know, basically a greater expansion on his character from uh, Civil War. And, uh, well, we get to meet his mother, who is pretty cool. Uh, We don't really get to find out much about her. She doesn't get too much screen time. And... Well... On to the villains. Uh, first off, as I mentioned, the Claw, or I think he's Doctor Claw in regular comics. I don't remember. Something like that, and it's a K L A W W, I believe. Yeah, it's some. It's like he's supposed to be like German, and his name's supposed to be like a normal name. Um. Honestly, they probably spelled it that way so that they couldn't get sued by um. The creators of Inspector Gadget. <laughs> I'll get you next time, T'Challa. Next time. Oh, you do such a better voice than I do. You're goddamn right, I do. Oh man, I feel bad now for even trying. Bitches can't step to the Doctor Claw. <laughs> I lost it at the end there. I'm sorry. It's still way better than mine was, hands down. Oh, um, but uh, yeah. So he's he's a Joker ripoff, like pretty much. Like, like bog standard. Like, ooh, look, I'm so crazy and fun, and nothing I'm doing makes sense. But he he he's joke off. He's he's Joker ripoff number seven eighty two in this. So, like, Doctor Claw is actually a much better character, but also laziness. It's just Claw. Yeah, sorry, Claw is is a much better character, but. Laziness is an excuse for laziness. Yeah. And I was slightly wrong. It's spelled K L A W, single W, two W's is from Sly Cooper 2. Ah. Oh. His real name, though, is Ulysses Clyde, which is K L A U E. They made it claw because I guess that played better in the Midwest. Moving on. Uh, he's not really important, um, which is a shame. Andy Serkis is a good actor. Oh, he was great in this. He was entertaining at every moment. It was great. It was just the writing like, that let him down. Oh yes, completely and utterly. Um, after that, uh, we've got our proper villain for this piece. Um, uh, what was his name? Killmonger. Yeah. 
I thought it was something that was simultaneously cool and lame. Played by Michael B. Jordan. And he was fucking great. Like, I, I know, like, I sound like, oh, oh, just great, great, great. I do have a problem with the way Claw was portrayed. Um, overall, I have a problem with the way Claw was introduced, but they did Killmonger right. Like, yeah, I mean, his it's, first... It's Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan is a... Michael B. Jordan is a really good actor who hasn't really gotten a super great deal in the industry uh, since Chronicle. Well, he was fucking amazing. Like, every fucking intonation I was hanging on his words. His first introduction was quite literally him, like, saying... Him, like, getting details on African artifacts. Then going up to one and like, and what's this? Oh, no, you're fucking wrong, by the way. This is Wakandan. <laughs> the woman being like, what? And you really should be careful about what you put in your body. And then she's fucking dying on the floor to set up the whole plan. And, oh, it was so good. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, Marvel has a big problem with villains. And everything that I've heard about Killmonger is that he is one of the exceptions. Yes. He really fucking is. Like, he is a great villain, and... Oh, I loved it. Oh. He is one of the best things about this movie. Just because there were moments when I was like, Yeah, wait, no, you're the bad guy. I need to stop agreeing with you. <laughs> like, I caught myself agreeing with the villain. Which tells you you've written a really good villain. <laughs> and actually, kind of funny thing... Uh, so Wired, they do these videos whenever like a big thing is released where some of the stars get on get on camera and answer Google's most asked questions about them and their project. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so when they uh, did it, it was um, there was Michael B. Jordan who was just kind of off on his own doing his own thing, and then it was uh, Chadwick Boseman and uh, Lupita Nyong'o. They did that in pairs. Uh, Chadwick, all his answers like fucking just, hey, really charismatic and jokey and stuff. Michael, B- Michael was just like sitting there, is like giving you like straight up comic facts. Cool. Just this fucking jacked ass dude just sitting there rattling off like rattling off like details about fucking Claw and the history of Black Panther in the comics. Cool. It's kind of nice to see. Especially after the last couple things I saw being um, Michael Keaton saying he has never read a single comic book featuring the Vulture, and uh, and Mike Holter, play, who played Luke Cage, saying I read the comics and hated them. Uh, uh, like you don't have to be a fan to be able to play the character, but oh come on. I know that, like, movies are doing their own fucking thing and adaptation and fucking whatever, but... (sighs) At least pretend. Yeah. Anyway, Killmonger. Yeah, Killmonger was fucking great. Like, there were times when he chewed the scenery, and I just... Like, instead of being like, stop chewing chewing on the scenery, I wanted to add a chair. (laughs) <laughs> like, I wanted to give him more to chew on. Because he was just so perfect.
Anything else? Um, and my favorite character. Absolute favorite character. I'm actually going to look up his name because he this guy was my favorite character. And in the meantime, you can enjoy the sounds of the traffic outside my window. Um, he's the leader of the uh, gorilla. He's the leader of like the gorilla tribe or something like that, who are the big enemies uh, in um in the uh, who like they're the Black Panthers' main rival. They're 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 the uh, Black Panthers' kingdom's main rivals because they have a different belief system. Than the others, uh, lady or a guy, guy, uh, Mbaku. It is yes, his name is Mbaku, and he is my favorite character for one line. First off, they call white people colonizers, which oh my god, that's a great insult. <laughs> <laughs> um, second off, he tells him, "You speak one more word, and I will feed you to my children." And then three seconds later, he just busts out laughing. He's like, I'm kidding, we're vegetarians. And like from that moment on, you get to see who he really is. Because up until then, he'd been this badass sitting on a throne like, I will rule and kill everyone who stands against me. And now it's like, yeah, no, I'm just a guy. I, I, I'm, I'm badass and cool, but like, I'm not always that guy who sits on the throne and issues decrees. I can be normal. Yeah. And, oh, I loved him. He's And then, at the end of the movie, like, ev- all seems lost. And then the gorilla triad shows up to save the day. And I can't help but feel like he was, like, standing there with his people. And his people were like, we should get in there. They're getting all the kills. We should, we should, we should do something. And he's just like, wait. They're going to need us. Hold. That's what I feel like he was doing just off camera. He was holding his people back, saying, hold up. Give it a minute. Okay, they're fucked. Let's show up now. <laughs> so, some fun facts. Uh, so the character, he, the character this guy was playing, um, Mbaku, uh, he is uh, he's also known as Man Ape. Yeah. <laughs> and the actor Winston Duke. Um, some of you might recognize him as Dominic from Person of Interest. Dominic was a very important character for a for like a season there where where he was like one of the up and coming fucking crime bosses out there taking over taking over this deposed crime bosses empire. And he was great in it. You can read Cora's reviews of those episodes. Person of Interest was a good show. Yeah, it was. Back to this. I've only ever seen season one. <laughs> it gets so much weirder. I know. I've been told, but every time I'm about to get into season two, like I stop and then I go back and I have to rewatch because. Oh, and you are so far away from my favorite episode. I think my favorite episode is in season four. It's an episode completely from the point of view of the fucking system. Now that's interesting. Ah. But no, um, 
Black Panther. So those that's our cast of characters, our heroes, as you will. And... Oh, man. I'm not going to give away the ending. I mean, one obvious part of it is that the heroes win because they're the heroes. They're going to win. Um, yeah, I'm assuming it's a big fucking fight and then... There is a big fucking fight, yes. Um, and then like a blue laser shoots into the sky to open up a Skygina? No, there is no blue laser opening Skygina in this. Okay, so we've reached the end of that era. Hopefully. Yeah. But, oh man. There are blue lasers, though. But none of them shoot into the sky to open a Skygina. Um, but I have a new uh, uh, Coulson. Okay, how so? Um, they uh, they have this uh, colonizer who they wind up rescuing and teaming up with, and like they help each other out and shit. And he is a fucking badass. <laughs> Like he's a he's a former pi like a former Air Force pilot and he was a hero in his time and oh like he's good <laughs> like he's very entertaining to watch um I I I thoroughly enjoyed watching watching like him work because. It wasn't what I expected with, like, the obvious, like, hero moment. There was a moment where I was worried that he was not going to survive. Honest to God, I was worried that he was not going to make it out. Because he was, he's not an important character. Yeah, he's so the token. So they could have got, they could have gotten away with killing him. And, yeah, no, like, this is a good movie. <laughs> so, moving on. Uh, are you ready for some tonal whiplash? Yeah, let's, let's do this. Scooby-Doo meets Batman. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, they've, they've released a newer Scooby-Doo meets Batman movie. Uh, if you guys are fans of Scooby-Doo, you'll know about the, uh, classic Scooby-Doo movies where... Uh, Scooby-Doo teamed up with Batman like four separate times. This is Brave and the Bold, Batman. Okay, I was, I was going to ask wait, what Batman it is. Meets, I think, what's new Scooby-Doo, Scooby, or the generation before that Scooby-Doo. Because they look like the classic designs of Scooby and the gang. Um. So sadly, it's not Mystery Incorporated, but... Yeah, because we'll never get those fuckers back. That makes me sad. Yeah, because it's fucking terrible. That show, it had legs. Yeah, it really did. Could have gone somewhere, but fucking nope. Fuck, man. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting ride. Um, you've got your standard cast of characters, and you've also got, um, well, on Batman's side, we've got Aquaman, the green, uh, the, not, not the green, why am I saying, uh, the Martian Manhunter, okay. I almost said the Green Lantern, <laughs> um, that stretchy motherfucker that's really annoying. Plastic Man. 
Yeah, Plastic Man. Um, Voiced by SpongeBob. Black Canary, I believe. I believe Black Canary is on the cast. Uh, not for what um, I can see. I might be wrong then. Um, In terms of DC, oh wait, no, no, she is. You're right. I was drunk while I watched this, so I can't remember every character. Well, I have a list. But what? I have the list. Okay, good. Then you can list the rest because I've forgotten them already. Yeah. So we got Batman, Black Canary, The Joker, The Question, Aquaman, Catwoman, Martian Manhunter, The Riddler, Plastic Man, uh, Clayface, Detective Chimp, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Harvey Bullock. Most of the villains that he just mentioned are only for chase scenes. Yeah, I'm assuming that the main bad guy is the Crimson Cloak. Yes, who is uh, Clayface, who was um, poisoned by the Riddler to uh, like basically force him to do what the Riddler wanted him to do, which was build a teleportation machine because... What? Yeah, okay, so... Um, the setup for this entire thing is Batman's one unsolved case where he failed to save a guy when another villain was trying to build a teleportation machine. (laughs) Okay. So, um, the Scooby gang gets brought in on this after they solve a case that Batman had set up to test whether or not they were ready to join the Gotham Crime Analysts group. Which, really, Batman, you're that up your own ass? Yes, yes, he is. And then Aquaman shows up and is Aquaman in Brave and the Bold. But, like, he's the one person who sees through the villain's plan to manipulate everyone into thinking Batman and the gang are villains. Like, literally every other hero just buys that Batman's gone rogue. Which, the fuck? Yeah, is my like, only question. Christ, that is... He is the last guy to go rogue. Yeah. Well, depends on when, when in the comics we're talking. Because... The collective, <laughs> the collective pop culture subconscious version of Batman... Is the last person to go rogue. Yes. Yes, he is. But, yeah. That's one major problem I have with it is everyone just immediately agrees. Yep, uh, these innocent children that we just met that we have no reason to believe could ever be bad guys. Uh, we got one single shred of evidence that suggests they're bad guys given to us by the most corrupt officer in Gotham PD. So we're just going to believe that. Yeah, straight up. Like, literally. Harvey Bullock is the one who gives them the proof. In a, And the proof is video footage of Shaggy stealing chemicals in a city that has a fucking villain that can shapeshift. Yeah. There's a bit of nonsense that you just gotta accept in this one. Yeah, a little bit. But, like, it's like everybody took their stupid pills before showing up that day, is the best way I can describe it. 
And these are some industrial strength stupid pills. Well, yeah, it's Brave and the Bold and Scooby-Doo crossing forces. Yeah. Like, neither of those series are... Until fucking very recently, neither of those series were something that you could ever really take seriously. So, after everyone takes their stupid pills, um... They're suppositories. The, <laughs> and they're the size of an elephant's penis. Clayface, it was no problem. So, anyway. So, like, everybody starts hunting Batman and them. And Batman and the gang are forced to follow clues with the most useful teammate of... Uh, Aquaman. Fuck you, Aquaman's great. Not this one. <laughs> Damn it. This one sucks. Damn it. This is the shitty one. God so, damn it. No. Fucking super friends, man. Well, no, he's not useless. He's just a moron. Yeah, super friends. I blame Super Friends for every bad iteration of ba- ever bad iteration of Aquaman. Well, someone has a crush because they showed because they showed like one fucking image of Aquaman riding a seahorse, and then everybody's like, "Fuck this dude!" Yeah. What are you gonna do? Water ski with some fucking sharks, you dick bag? Well, that was cool. Go back, go back and play in the water while the big boys handle the real crime. Oh, look over there. A cruise liner has run ashore. Maybe you can help half of it. <laughs> yeah, I like Aquaman. This Aquaman is is like... You've seen Brave and the Bold, right, Dead? No. No? Okay. Um, This Aquaman's favorite thing to say. Outrageous! Did I tell you about that time when I did that thing that I've already told you about and no one cares about because it's not actually that important? That's this Aquaman. Yeah. But he's like the most powerful hero that gets featured on Brave and the Bold after Superman. Even though Aquaman's probably the one hero like who could genuinely beat Superman in a punch-up. He literally couldn't. Like, yeah, Aquaman's strong. Superman can pull planets out of orbit. See, like we've we've got to d- debate which Superman we're talking about. Um, if it's pre- it, there are two Superman. If it is pre-crisis, then he can sneeze galaxies into pieces. Yes, and post-crisis he could not pull planets out of orbit. No, post-crisis he could. Post-crisis his maximum fucking deadlift thing is two hundred quintillion tons. I feel like that's wrong. It is not. But I'll just I'll just give it to you. <laughs> I but, will find like, the image. Oh lord. Are are you sure we're not doing the comics podcast here? I feel like we're doing the comics podcast here. <laughs> anyway, um But yeah, it's 
it's all kinds of dumb. Um, the the ultimate uh, the ultimate villain is revealed to. That's not the regular Superman. That's the regular Superman. At the, like the the limit that he has, that is set in canon. Can we even simulate two hundred quintillion tons on Earth? Science can. Comic book science. I hate when they do that shit. Yeah, it's almost like it's a fantasy world with aliens and shit. I fucking hate when they do that shit. Anyway, anyway, we were talking about the relative powers of a human who can breathe water and a space person who is identical to humans in every way except powers. Mm-hmm, my brain. <laughs> why, why do I get into these arguments? <laughs> because you never <laughs> learn. I don't. I don't learn. Um, uh, my brain. Anyway. so Let's go back to talk about the talking dog. Yeah. Um, the Scooby gang wind up solving this one. Of course they fucking do. And I'm sitting there like, why the fuck did you guys have to solve this one? The answers are stupid pills. No, the answer is, look whose name is top build. It's not, it's not Batman the Brave and the Bold and Scooby-Doo. It's, it's... The Riddler set it all up because he wanted the ultimate weapon, which doesn't even make sense given the Riddler's standard motivations. Wait, wait a minute. The Riddler wanted the ultimate weapon, so the Joker mind-controlled Clayface. No, no. The Riddler mind-controlled Clayface. Did I misspeak and say the Joker? Yes, you did. Sorry, the Riddler didn't. It didn't mind control him. He infected him with a virus that he said he'd cure if Clayface did what he told him to. And that turned him into the Crimson Cloak, which is Clayface disguised himself as the Crimson Cloak to throw Batman off. How? Because he's Clayface. Clayface can shape change. No, and, no, uh, no, not. The the lore behind the Crimson Cloak scaring Batman is that uh, the Crimson Cloak is supposed to be the manifestation of the man that Batman failed to save. So then Batman would do like a trace evidence analysis and find Clay at the scene and go, oh, it's Stupid Clayface. pills. Stupid pills. Stupid pills. Ah, uh, Jesus Christ. Because you know who ends up doing the trace evidence analysis? Velma. Daphne. Daphne solves most of the puzzles in this. Wow. That's the one saving grace of this, because it's kind of hilarious that Daphne is the one that solves the puzzles in this. I know Daphne gets shit on a lot, but that's a bit of an overcorrection. Like, yeah, Daphne finding the clues, that make that makes some sense, because they fucking solve clues and find clues well, and shit. Well, they, they justify it by being like, word jumbles and shit like that. Um, what? Yeah, 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 it's... Yeah, I do the Sunday word jumbles. I know how to work a gas spectrometer. Oh, no, like, like they don't work the gas spectrometer. They uh, dehydrate him, and she's like, huh, it's dust. If it's dust, then what villain can turn into dust when water's removed from them? 
And, like, she she's the only one who did research on the villains they might encounter in fucking Gotham, apparently. Uh, eat, suck my ass, he's, suck my ass, assholes. You fucking... Jesus Christ. Yeah. This sounds terrible. It was more fun than it's sounding. Like, I had a great time with it. But, yeah. It would dumb. It, it would dumb. And I'm doing that voice because I feel like it's appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Fuck this. It, Jesus Christ. It it was really stupid. Um, <laughs> I had fun with it, but I was also drunk. So that might be the thing. If you feel like it, try watching it sober and see if you enjoy it as much. I might. And for another bit of tonal whiplash, big dreams, small spaces. Never even fucking heard of this. It's a gardening show. <laughs> that would explain why I never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh man! This is like a Netflix thing, or did you get? Or did you get it's, HGTV? It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's a British gardening show. There's about six episodes. Um, and yeah, it's actually really, really serene, calming, and overall, I rather enjoyed it. Um, it stars a. Uh, apparently popular British gardener called, like, Monty Hall or something like that. I'm not... No, it's not Monty Hall. But Monty his first Don. name is Monty. What? Monty Don. Yeah, Monty Don. Monty Hall is the uh, guy from the game show. <laughs> but it's basically, like, every episode is, Hey, we've got this insane idea for a garden! Okay, I'm going to tell you why this idea won't work and then I'm going to make I'm going to work with you to make an idea that would work. Okay. Hey, we uh half listen to you. All listen to me. Well, uh no. Just do what I've told you because you aren't capable of doing what I like. Every single episode boils down to Okay, uh we didn't properly listen, so now there's ogres. And, yeah. I had fun with it. Uh, especially because I'm into gardening, so... Of course, I'm into just about everything when I think about it. Baking, carpentry, woodworking, blacksmithing. If it's a thing, I'm pro I've probably studied it. Because I'm a jack-of-all-trades. And now I'm rambling, because Dead Man is away. <laughs> um, I genuinely don't know what to say, I apologize. But, uh, if you're ever interested in uh, gardening, uh, give it a look-see. It's well worth your time. Um... It's actually very serene. Like, if you ever tried to watch um, Bob Ross' Art of Chill and found that you couldn't chill because you were too interested in Bob Ross, then this is a good show for you. <laughs> because 
No, no, seriously, I tried watching Bob Ross, like, just his background noise, and I wound up fascinated by it. Like, I don't fucking know. What the hell? But... So what you're saying is Monty Don has such a lack of personality that you're able to chill out a lot more. No, he's he's a he's got he's a wonderful personality, but I don't find myself one hundred percent focusing on it like I do Bob Ross. Cause well, it is still watching some British people garden. Uh, it's another thing; it's British people. But I there's figured. great advice for gardening in general, in my opinion. Yeah, I figured when you started out saying it's a British gardening show. Yeah, uh, and that's all I've got. All right, then. Now for the next two hours. Oh, Lord. So, uh, first up, I started watching Ultimate Beastmaster. Really? Yes. Okay. So, for those who don't know, Ultimate Beastmaster is American Ninja Warrior, produced by Sylvester Stallone and Netflix. Is it as dumb as it always sounded? Uh, It's actually kind of interesting. So the big difference, the the big difference between uh, like this and uh, American Ninja Warrior is a the course they run is set up inside like the skeleton of a giant metal dinosaur. Okay. And there are and the color commentators, there are 12 of them. Two from each of the representing countries. Because this show is pitting two athletes from six different countries against each other in order to like in order to like actually find like that that's how this works. Like each ep- like each starting round is twelve people from six different countries, and they all try to progress throughout throughout this thing. There are four levels to it. Uh first the, yeah, first it is uh the first uh twelve yeah, first twelve contestants go up. Uh, the one, uh, as they, as they clear objectives, they get points. Uh, first level is 10 points and then it goes up by one each level. So it goes up by 10 each level. Uh, they, they go up, um, the people who have the, uh, eight best uh, scores, uh, in the quickest times, they move on to level two. Then from, then from level two, it goes from eight to five, then, uh, then five to two. And then, it's, and then it's the final two for the last one where points are all reset, and it's just them scaling a fucking custom-made rock wall thing and hitting these little buzzers that give them points. Whoever, like, climbs the highest and gets the most points wins. It's not terrible. Like, I... I, I have trouble believing that, given what you just described to me. Yeah, like, like uh, the thing, the thing I do find the most interesting is the is the fact that there are like fucking six different uh, teams of color commentators. Uh, in the first season, at least, we focus mainly on the American side because I'm watching it on Canadian Netflix, and Canada isn't represented because fuck us, I guess. And it's being commentated by a sportscaster and Terry Crews. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> I have to watch this now. Yeah, so so the two of them are doing the main color commentary for everybody doing like the regular thing of like, all right, yeah. So I got I'm going to describe this thing in some kind of detail that makes it sound like I'm actually analyzing it, but I'm really not because I don't give a fuck. And then occasionally it will cut over to one of the other color one of the other commentary teams who are speaking in a totally different language. 
That might be racist. <laughs> Especially because I blended two racist uh, accent stereotypes there. Yeah, it's <laughs> it started out Chinese and ended up Brazilian. <laughs> That's what I was going for. Yes. Which is only partially right because only one of the because only because Br- Brazil of the two accents did only Brazil is actually participating in this. Yeah, in is the, Japan in the first season. Yeah, it, in the first season it is um, the United States, Germany, Mexico, Brazil, South Korea, and Japan. Okay, then it was a Japanese accent. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, like every once in a while, it will uh, come in with uh, with a different cut co- with like a different person commentating, and it's kind of interesting seeing the difference in the way these different cultures commentate stuff. Like with a, like with a, with a, the American team, it is more, it's more like them just trying, it's more like them trying to, trying to fake like they're analyzing stuff or just chanting USA, USA. Like every time the American guy goes up, it's just all of a sudden USA, USA. As they're smacking their desk. But then you cut over to like the South Korean or the Japanese sides. And it's just them screaming like, you know, Ganbate fucking dude, you can go do it. One guy showed up as dressed up as a samurai. Okay. Which was part of his comedy routine because he was a comedian. Wait, they have comedians in this? As and the commentators or? No, no, no. One of the competitors. One of the competitors ran the course with a fucking samurai top knot that fell off when he fell into the fucking water. Of course it did. Yeah, it's basically just American Ninja Warrior, but fancier. So, like, if you're into American Ninja Warrior, this is something that you could get into. And actually, if you live in one of the other countries uh, that is participating in this, I'm pretty sure you get access to. Like, the version that you get access to is focused mainly on your country's commentators. Which I actually do find that weirdly interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, I, if if fucking Netflix didn't block VPNs, I would actually try checking out some of, their other, some of the other commentators. But I can't, so fuck it, I guess. Oh, you could try looking it up on YouTube. Yeah, maybe. Anywho, uh, moving right along. Um, watch a couple episodes of Mr. Pickles. What? Mr. Pickles is a is an Adult Swim parody of Lassie. Oh, I've heard of that and said no because I heard the adults words Adult Swim in parody. Yeah. So yeah, so it's a kid named Timmy. Uh, he has a dog named Mr. Pickles. He's calling that because he loves pickles. He's a border collie and maybe the Antichrist. Okay. And I watched two episodes, and both of them followed the same basic layout, where it would start out with fucking little Timmy with his leg braces waking up and heading out to dinner for breakfast with Mr. Pickles. And the rest of his and the rest of his family. Mr. Pickles is trying to have sex with his mom. Then the grandpa runs in and says 
the grandpa runs in. The family's like, oh, grandpa, what did you go out doing fucking whatever again? He's like, eh, hey, Mr. Pickles drugged me after raping 12 people and, and like, killing a hooker with a horse's dick or something. And I was like, grandpa, you fucking shitbag. Then Timmy goes out into the town where the sheriff is, I think, retarded. Uh, there is a black man who is a combination of two different eras of black stereotypes. Like he goes around dressed in like the white suit with like a little like like brimmed hat, hat talking like talking like you know southern genteel or whatever. And then he takes the hat off and he has fucking cornrows and he's and he's like running around like a horse drawn carriage, but it's fucking purple and gold being pulled by two pit bulls. The hardware store is a strip club in it. I'm not sure how much I should be offended, but given that that's the entire point of any Adult Swim show, I don't really know if I should be offended. It's trying too hard to offend. Like That's kind of the thing I come away from the, this with, is that this show is trying way too fucking hard. And at the same time, it's not trying hard enough because there's not enough new things happening. Like I've watched two episodes. They were fifty they were like ten minutes long each, and they still felt too long. They move at like wow, fuck, that's a glowing endorsement for that show. They move at fucking breakneck paces. Shit just happens nonstop. And I still felt like things went on for too long. Because I've seen these because I've seen these type of fucking like controversy controversy baiting fucking shows before and this is putting in the least amount of effort with one like even the animation is fucking terrible like people talk, like people talk about Rick and Morty's animation being not their thing this is worse than that like from the Rick ground up Rick and Morty's up, animation is passable no like the, Rick and Morty's animation is great it's their art that's passable Like, like, the way everything moves in that show is fucking fantastic. It's just the des- actual designs of the characters and how they are drawn are kind of ugly. This, the designs and artwork is kind of ugly, and the animation is fucking choppy and sloppy as hell. This feels like something I would watch, and this feels like something I would watch when I was like 12 on Newgrounds. Yeah, that's about all of all of Adult Swim for me now. Not like, something that has been on for three seasons. I stopped watching Adult Swim when Squidbillies became a thing. <laughs> uh, I didn't have Adult Swim, and Squidbillies came on the um, mature part of Teletoon. Fuck Squidbillies. I actually, yeah, it kind of looks like Squidbillies now that I'm thinking about it. I think the worst part about Squidbillies for me is I would leave the TV on Cartoon Network when I was younger and I'd stay up all night because, you know, that's what I did. And it got to the point where I had watched enough Squidbillies unintentionally because they aired like 12 hours of Squidbillies. Uh Uh-huh. That I could tell, hey, the char- that guy's acting out of character right here, isn't he? 
That is how much Squidbillies I was unfortunately exposed to by just having the TV on. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. So the thing that actually got me into watching the show was there was a trailer released, which was like a single trailer where just the sun was riding up over this town, but that turned out to be the head of a border collie that uh, its eyes were like fucking pentagrams and it was like barfing out demons and shit that like laid waste to the town. And when I saw that, I got fucking flashbacks to Metalocalypse. That was probably one of the last good shows on on Adult Swim. That's what I thought this would be, but like a bit more surreal because it's about a satanic border collie. And like Mr. Pickles doesn't ever talk. He like he's a dog. He acts he like looks and fucking sounds and does shit like a dog. But then he'll also like pull out a chainsaw and do like a C-section on a horse then rape the baby. Like 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 every You know you've you know you've been trying to be offensive for too long when instead of being offended my response is just just a long low sigh. Yeah, like there was potential here if like more creative people got their hands on this material. Like not even I'm not even talking about like the rest of the town or any of the character stuff. I'm just talking about the idea of a satanic dog. Hey, well we were talking about doing a uh, podcast. <laughs> we could just start taking uh, adult swim ideas and try to do them well. I feel like we'd get sued. Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> Cuz they'd realize, oh shit, they're 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 all of our viewership is wa- is listening to their podcast instead of watching our shows because we're doing them so shit. No, instead it, of hiring it, them like would be the smart option, no, let's it would just be, sue them. It would be more that they would hear it that one person on the fucking production um fucking team would hear it, bring it to fuck one of their executives, and the executive would go, "If people ever listen to this, Yeah, it's it's fucking bad. Don't watch it. Also, don't watch Deception. That's another fucking thing. Just came out, and I hate it. It is, is that the one where it's got the NCIS guy? Uh, I don't know anybody from NCIS. I can't really describe him because he's just generic white boy number 762. It does have the guy, like, you remember that show about the two men who need to dress up like women to get jobs? <laughs> Take that as a yes. Yeah, one of them is in this. It's a step up. Yeah, so for those who don't know, uh, this is a new uh, crime drama series on ABC. I'm assuming they're hoping it's their next castle. It is about a stage magician who begins helping the FBI solve crimes. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that one. That's not the one I was thinking of. Yeah, Yeah, so Cameron Black, he is a a world-renowned magician who, even though he's fucking headlining at Vegas, looks like he's doing shows in a high school auditorium. Uh, one day, one day after performing a trick of his, where he teleported from Las Vegas to New York City, uh, he's about to be arrested for committing a murder. At which point he reveals, "Oh no, wait! I have a twin brother. I've 
we've been doing that. We've run this fucking gamut for years. So the brother gets arrested for murder. And then Cameron is like, I'm going to get you out of here, brother. A year passes and nothing happens. Then the FBI, while transporting a witness, uh, lose a plane. And the witness. Cameron, upon seeing it on the news, is like, oh, hey, we literally did this trick. Somebody is just stealing our fucking shtick and using it for crimes. It must yeah, be the person who must be the person to frame my brother for murder. Told me about this and the pain and the pain and the this. Yeah. And so then it's about a so yeah. So then it's a stage magician out there helping the FBI solve crimes and shit using sleight of hand and prestidigitation and stuff. <clears throat> two episodes are two episodes of the show are out so far. And I will say that the second episode is slightly better than the first. Because there's a trick in there that looks like a real magic trick. It's it's a bit where he is uh, like pitching the idea of the deception team because his, his special was called Deception. And so he's pitching his idea of the deception team to the FBI. Oh, to the they head of the said FBI. the title. They said the title. Yeah, and so what he does is he takes a $100 bill. Folds it in half and it becomes a $50 bill. Folds it again, it becomes a 20 Then a 10 then a 5 then a $1 bill, then it goes away. It, it's, it's, all, it's all edited in such a way that it looks like it's a single shot. There's no obvious CG in it. It looks like a for real magic trick. Which is more than I can say about any of the fucking tricks that were shown in the first episode. Because in the first episode, uh... He does another card trick, just like fucking spinning cards around and shit, and it all looks like CG. There's a bit where he tries to recreate uh, the. There's a bit where he tries to recreate the fucking um, Harry Houdini escape, you know, hanging from fucking shackles and whatever. Uh, that looks horribly fake, mainly because the blow torches that are that they've added to the wires are all CG. It then breaks and he flies into a fucking screen that looks horribly fake. And there's an explosion that also looks fake. And then when the when fucking Cameron steps out of the monitor in New York City, it's done in a fucking cut. Like power tactics go off and the screen flashes white for a frame and then he's standing there. Wow. That, that, wow. Yeah, there's a difference between fucking stage magic and movie magic. You gotta, you gotta be able to like, you gotta be able to like frame things so that it makes sense as an actual fucking trick. Otherwise, it just looks horribly fake. Like fuck, they. You know the thing fucking magicians do where they like get like a fucking tarp, throw it up, and then it falls and they're gone. Mm-hmm. They do that, but they do it in a cut. God damn it! Yeah, it's showing it's showing it's showing him from like kind of like a profile shot. He then throws it up, then cuts to a head-on shot from where the bad guys are looking, and then he's gone. Like, oh my god, where could he have possibly gone in the fucking day since they shot that other fucking angle? Christ. And all of the tricks are like that, too. If it is a, if it is a trick involving anything beyond, like, very simple sleight-of-hand stuff, then it is done in multiple cuts from multiple different angles, so it looks like fucking shit. And the tricks themselves, like a lot of, some of the times they don't even make sense. Like in the fucking first episode, they caught the guy 
by essentially doing the bug by essentially doing the fucking wily e. coyote gambit. You mean painting a path on a wall? Yeah, yeah, they just they literally fucking painted some shit on some fucking boards and then put them strategically so it looked like he was so it looked like he was running away to a free space, but then oh nope, it's a painting. That's how See, they you caught can, a person. You can do that in reality with like proper use of depth perception trickery and such, but it wasn't even death perception. Like, like looking at it, it's obviously like an incredibly faded picture of a fucking alley on some goddamn on like a fucking piece of wood. Then that's that's they fa- they failed. It is utterly. laughable because there are masters of the art that will fool you into thinking there is a bench where there is a wall, and you'll get right up to it, and oh, that that's a wall. Yeah, that's but those guys cost money. Yeah. They they sh- they could have done this. This is gonna be one of those times when I'm like, they could have done it with CGI. <sighs> no, instead, what they did was I'm I'm pretty sure they like showed an actual alley, had him run down it, and then the next cut, the alley was replaced with the painting of the alley. In, in the second episode, they get a bit better about that. Uh so like like the big final thing in order to get the in order to get the information out of the bad guy, uh, what they do is so, so the the setup is a person was give, a person was a like set up as they thought they were on a TV show where it was essentially just like a water pistol kind of like tag thing. Mm-hmm. Where you have to walk up and shoot somebody in the face with a water pistol. He's like, okay, that's easy. So he so he goes up and squirts a person in the face. Then that person starts convulsing and their face starts breaking out in blisters and they die. Uh-huh. Turns out this person was was being used by the Russian mafia. And Yeah, it was just like some dude fucking showed up and was like, hey, I'm a producer for a fucking TV show. Do I want to fucking shoot a person in the face with a squirt gun? And of course, the guy from that fucking cross-dressing show, he knows exactly the make and model of that fucking squirt gun. Because it totally wasn't just a regular fucking squirt pistol that you get at the dollar store for 75 cents. No, it was some fucking brand name. Very specific model. So yeah, the guy, yes, the guy who ended up pulling the trigger, uh, he, Cameron, our protagonist, feels bad for him. Because he didn't know he was doing anything wrong. He didn't know he was a murderer. But then he, but then he starts being affected by the poison, too. So they set up this big, elaborate-ass fucking plan involving fucking Mission Impossible masks where bad guy gets shot, shot in the face, camera gets shot in the face with a squirt gun. Because, you, know, you know, when somebody's doing fucking, like, in-the-street executions, you bring a squirt pistol. This is dumb. They take him to a fake hospital that they set up, and they use and they and through the use of makeup and a motorized winch on like a on a fucking like on like gurney straps, they convince the guy that he is dying. Even though he's even though he is just having a fucking strap compress his lungs so he can't breathe properly, and having somebody put fucking makeup on his hand. 
Again, given the right setup, you could pull this off. But yeah, and I know like, that it, like the, the trick itself, I think like the way the way they faked it, the way they explained it, I think it kind of worked. Not great, because like acting in the show is also subpar. Like Vinnie Jones is in this, and he is not bringing his fucking A game. And yeah, I don't. I mm. don't watch this show. Just don't. I'll end up watching because I'm a fucking idiot. Masochist. Masochist. Yeah, but just don't watch it ever. It's not worth it. What else might not be worth it is the second season of Jessica Jones. Really? Yeah, I started it. I stopped halfway through and haven't finished yet. Hmm. Okay. Because I... I'm not enjoying it. I'm not having fun with it. I'm not even like... I'm not even like having like this kind of fun that I had with like the first series. The first series is not a fun series. But I had fun watching it because I enjoyed the story they were telling. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the interplay between fucking Jessica and Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. In this, the plot gets started by a person called the Wizard. And yes, I know that it is an actual name of a Marvel character from back in the day, but there's a reason they haven't brought that name back. So, taking place... An amount of time after the first series, Jessica is out there doing her private eye shit. Uh, Malcolm, the Power Ranger who was working for her in the first season, he is still hanging around learning how to be a private eye from her. And because she because she murdered that guy, uh, people are now like, hey, like, hey, I hey, I hired you to find out this thing. Now I feel bad about it. Can you kill the person I hi- can you kill the person I hired you to follow? What? Really? Yeah. First fucking scene is her photo is her fucking taking pictures of some dude going back to a pizza place where the owner is crying. And then she says, hey, I will pay you fucking double your fee to murder this person. Then when she says, hey, I'm not a murderer. The pizza piece lady goes, yeah, you are, you fucking freak. Because, yeah, that's the fucking smart thing to do. That's the smart thing to say to a person who has killed before and possesses tremendous physical strength. It's also a really smart thing to do just in general to insult the person you just tried to hire to murder someone. If you think it is, if you if you think you are talking to a person who is capable of murder and is willing to do it for money don't insult them because they can murder you. Just, you know, basic stuff. Yeah, a bunch of the cases start coming in, and one guy comes in who's calling himself the Wizard. He's a big, fat, sweaty nerd with a bright with a bright backpack and glasses and a beard. He then says, hey, I have superpowers. People are trying to kill me. Cut to sometime later, where he gets superpowers in with, with effects that look ripped straight out of the demo reel for Twilight. Yeah. Okay. And then he dies, which sparks the plot. 
because this season delves into the background of, of Jessica, how she got her powers, and all the other shit. Because, of course, there's a conspiracy there. Because it can't just be, okay. whoops, some chemicals got in my fucking cooch and now I can punch through buildings. No, it's got to be my family died in a car crash and then me and my mom got fucking taken in by a goddamn secret government operation that gave us powers and made my mom a murder monster. Because, yeah, the main antagonist is her, is her mom. Spoilers, I guess. I care. People out there care. <sighs> yeah, it feels like it feels like the writers of this season tried to give you a story that was as emotionally resonant as the first one. Or like even more so, because hey, it's her family now, and family's a sore spot for Jessica, because she drinks. Like leading up to the reveal that the mom is a murderer, they are hammering this fucking idea hard. Like Jessica dealt with Kilgrave, then didn't really change much about her life. And everybody's like, Oh, it's probably just your fucking parents, dude. You're really sad that they you're really sad that they got fucking dead. Here, have these boxes with their ashes in them. Because those are props. And it might be a continuity error, but uh, earlier on, one of the one of the episodes, um, when the wizard is running around, he grabs one of the boxes and throws it at her. She instinctively kind of deflects it up, which then it hits the ceiling and bursts open. Raining, okay. raining the ashes of one of her family members across her entire apartment and her. <laughs> nice. And... When Malcolm comes out, comes over and is about to step in it, she screams, don't step on my brother. Then later, she pulls out that bag and the, and the mom says, what, so you put us in bags? It's like, I don't even know what's you in there. Which it's. Might be I'm just misreading the scene, but. The way it felt like was she put her brother's ashes in a bag, then used them as a use them as a thing to like fucking make her mom feel bad, and then said that her mom's ashes she thought her mom's ashes were in this bag. Well, she might have put all of them into bags. No, no, know, no. We, we saw it. She picked it up. She picked up that bag off of the two other boxes containing ashes. Oh yeah, then they probably had a continuity error, or she doesn't know who was in what box. They're labeled. Then, yeah, it was just a continuity hiccup. Yeah. Uh, Trish is also in this, and she is terrible. Which is sad, because I actually liked where they were going with her character in that first season. But in this, they kind of reverted Jessica back to just, I am not putting you in any kind of real danger ever, and reverted her back to who she was, I think, before the start of the first season. Great. Because she gets on drugs. And not just any the drugs, drugs, super drugs. The kind the, of drugs that... Give her superpower drugs? Yes. Because yes. Simpson shows back up for a hot second to give her a military-grade inhaler. And then die. Hold, hold up a second, I'm blind because I rolled my eyes too hard. Give me a minute. Okay, you can continue. Yeah, so it's straight up like a uh, like an asthma inhaler, coat like couched inside like a sh- couched inside like some kind of fucking like Semtex detonator. Uh, 
what? you then that you then inhales it, and she gets like awesome fucking reflexes and shit, but also gets a bit more aggressive because Trisha has a because Trisha has a fucking history with substance abuse problems. Writing is hard, guys. Writing is so hard. Oh, also, you know how you know how like in in the time between the release of Jessica Jones season one and Jessica Jones season two, like dozens of people have been outed as sexual predators. Mm-hmm. They introduced a sexual predator. Of course, they do. From Trisha's past, who may be based on a real person. Yep. I'm not going to comment on this one way or the other. I will. I will. Because I'm a fucking idiot. So I understand that this is a thing that is happening. This is a problem. And it is a good thing that, a good thing that stuff is coming out about it. But this felt forced. This felt like in the time between season one and season two, all this started coming out. So they felt the need. They felt the urge to respond to it. By including an aspect of it in their show. But it doesn't fit. Like this guy has never been brought up. Nothing about this has ever fucking even been hinted at before. All it's been is she did drugs and her mom was a bitch. So to then all of a sudden introduce this person with this long history with fucking Trish and her mom. And then just and say, hey, you fucking raped me, dude. And he's like, no, I didn't. I'm a, not a bad person. It smacks of lazy writing. It's super on the nose. It's super lazy. Removing him from the plot would not change a goddamn thing. It feels like the only reason they did it was because the news started coming out. Yeah. Yeah, and then the actual plot of it is Jessica's mom is alive and a murderer. Because she has powers similar to Jessica's. But with her powers also came horrible mood swings. Whoa. Specifically swinging from a calm regular person to a rage monster. So, steroid abuse. Yes. Whoa. Also, you remember a big fucking thing? Uh, you actually might not remember because you don't follow the news like I do. But a big fucking thing was at the begin- when the show started going into production... It was announced that, hey, David Tennant will be coming back as Kilgrave in season two of Jessica Jones. And I was like, oh, my God. I think I'm nine episodes in of a 13-episode season, and he hasn't shown up yet. <laughs> wow. That's They've kept the purple motif up because it was in the first series. But haven't that actually sucks, done anything with it. Like, I think around episode six, they had his voice show up once. I think it was like a pre-recorded sound cue. Yeah, that's what you've got. That that's David Tennant returning as Kilgrave, and then they will actually be having him show up physically later, mm-hmm. like nope. in the last three episodes of the fucking season. Nope, you got a sound cue. That was all the David Tennant you're gonna get. 
like I when 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 they when they said that he would be coming back, I assumed that it would be like an Arkham Knight situation where plot was happening around Jessica, where she was involved in some other fucking insane goddamn plot thing, where and then a manifestation of Kilgrave would be following her around, acting as her own self doubt. Yeah, that was actually really well done. Yeah, just just like physically manifesting her own everything. Just every problem she had with herself is just manifested as the worst thing that ever happened to her. And I would totally be down for that. Like David Tennant was a super charming character, and so having him be the psyche of a different character, I that's super interesting. But no. She has her problems. Those problems, exas- those problems exacerbate. He shows up for like a hot minute, goes away, probably. And then everything's all fucking hunky-dory. Then someone says, Luke Cage, who's that? You know, we were in the Defenders together. Everybody was pissed because he doesn't like the comics. Doesn't ring a bell. I'm going to go fuck my landlord. Because, yeah, they introduce a landlord love interest. Also, Trish and the Power Ranger fuck. Okay. It's a thing. I'm sorry, I can't I can't really bring myself to like care cuz I wasn't that super interested in the show, got more interested when I found out that I should approach it less as a superhero drama and more as a um neo-noir mystery. Yeah, and like I'm still not that interested. So Yeah, fair. Like, nothing you're telling me is telling me, oh, caveman, you gotta go watch this so that you can watch season two. Yeah, because I'm not not saying that. (laughs) It sounds kind of like they fucked the pooch. So... Yeah, they did. They kind of did. Like, they they try to keep up the same, like, level of fucking cinematography and whatever. And for the most part, I think it works. Like, cinematography is pretty alright in this. Uh, The score is... Music in it is what you would expect. Just, like, a lot of throwback, like, like haunting jazz shit as well as the occasional like fucking butt rock lady rock (sighs) there is a I think it's like a two episode or one episode stretch where it's it's the characters all the same actresses of all the same characters but like 10 years prior And the way they actually show the the fact that they're younger is laughable. Okay. I got to hear this. So Jessica is just wearing the same stuff. She just doesn't have a leather jacket and her hair is shorter. Trisha has bangs and a prom dress. Wow. Okay. And like not even like an expensive prom dress. Like Like a real cheap thing. Like it's fucking just covered in gold sequins. Yeah, because her mom would totally buy her, allow her to wear that, given how obsessive and controlling her mother was. No, actually, that makes... Her mother was living vicariously through her. When it came to prom, that woman was going to make sure her daughter had the best fucking night. Fair, yeah. She probably, like, 
slipped in some fucking like Viagra and condoms into her fucking handbag or whatever. Or it's like, hey, put in this corsage, honey. It's got stuff in it for you. Just opens it up. It's just cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> her mother was a fucking terrible person. Yes. Yes, she fucking is. And for some reason, the show keeps the show keeps having the show keeps giving the mother pla- a platform to talk about how bad an influence Jessica is on her daughter's life. Did like multiple times in multiple episodes, uh, the mom has had like thirty seconds or something to just rant about what a terrible fucking burden Jessica's put on Trish, and how like and I'm like, oh, I've I've always been there for her. I'm the best. I'm the best. And like I know she's deluded, but you don't give that much of a fucking soapbox to a crazy person. <sighs> also, there's a scene where fucking younger Trish was in a club bathroom trying to suck a dude off for cocaine. Yeah. Then Jessica's mom murdered her boyfriend, the one who bought her her, co- her her fucking iconic leather jacket. Then they end up on some random rooftop where a dude is fucking where a dude is fucking projecting movies onto a building with no sound. Okay. And it's a, and all those movies are the black and white in public domain. We didn't have to license shit. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're owned by fucking Disney. Yeah. Moving on. I more money than God Disney. I tried watching Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Okay, I want to hear this. So some history with my thoughts on this movie. When they first announced it, I immediately hated it. Because <laughs> Like, like not because not because like Jumanji is some like fucking super important movie to me from my childhood, or because or, be, or because like anything like that. It was simply because there was no reason to call this Jumanji. Like nothing they were doing was Jumanji. Nothing they were doing was tied to the story. It was. It wasn't a continuation of the story. It was people got pulled into a video game. Oh, that reminds me of a thing I think I half read on Wikipedia once was the plot of Jumanji. Let's do that. I always felt it was that. Yeah, no, I can definitely see where you're coming from there. When they announced the cast, I was a bit more interested and also a bit more pissed. Because okay. The Rock, Jack Black, Karen Gillan, and Kevin Hart like even Kevin Hart, who I'm not the biggest fan of, they were all too good to do a movie like this. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Like The Rock is on some weird kick to never make an original movie again and only make licensed material. Based on the fact that like the next fucking 19 movies he's being he's being in are all adaptations of something except for that one about a skyscraper. Which even then you could say is based off the skyscraper. But yeah, like I didn't, I didn't feel like they were. This felt like just like a fucking cash job for them. 
Then the reviews yeah. started, then the reviews started coming out, and they're like, "Oh, it's actually people are actually oh, it's not terrible. It's actually pretty good. It's it's pretty funny. It's got some heart to it." And so I resigned myself to the idea that I would have to watch this movie eventually, but I would very vocally tell people, "Hey, I watched this movie. Never watch this movie." So I started watching it. I got 30 minutes in and I couldn't. And the thing that broke me was when Karen Gillan playing the nerdy one and Jack Black playing the hot chick are walking side by side in the jungle and Jack Black is complaining like, oh God, I don't have this. I don't have that. Everything's so fucking terrible here. And then... And then Karen says some something fucking bitchy in response. Who Jack Black says, why do you hate me? You don't even know me. And then both of them give. So, you know, you know, when we're getting like really super reductive about and like making fun of movies and we just like do like and we just like spew some fucking cliche ridden little diatribe about their character. Ah, the fully exposing everything I can about my character because I can't write a scene where this is justified. Boom. (gasps) My father never loved me because he ran away, and I never had anything when I grew up, so I had to do everything for myself because everyone else, blah, 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 no one cares. But this is is a bit of a tweak on that, where it is, where it is, so it is like Karen Gillan, giving her outsider cliche opinion on Jack Black's character, then Jack Black gives her retort, which is a super reductive cliche written analysis of Karen Gillan's character. Oh, yeah. And then I shut the movie off. So creative. And then I shut the fucking movie off. Because that was the last fucking straw. Like, the characters themselves were as motherfucking cliched as humanly possible. Like our main character, Spencer, who looks like a fucking tan Nat Wolf. (laughs) Okay. Is the worst. And character, human being character. I do not know a thing about him as a person. No, I meant his character is the worst human being. No, his character is just the fucking worst character. Mainly because, especially because the thing started out and it was immediately clear that nobody who wrote this movie had knew what the fuck a video game was. Oh, see, that makes me want to hurt somebody. Because it starts out with him playing Street Fighter 4. And him not knowing how to play Street Fighter 4. <sighs> okay. Like, he has a controller in hand and is, like, doing motions, but he's saying random things that sound like they might be in a fighting game, but aren't in Street Fighter, and don't match up to what he's actually doing. Like, like, we, like we see, he gets fucking, he gets fucking, it was, I think it was like Ryu versus Guile, and he was playing Ryu. Guile goes down the ground. Then, Guile gets knocked down. Then the, character, then, then the guy says punch, and is mashing buttons. Ryu does nothing. And the speed at which he's doing shit is not conducive to a fighting game. 
I know this is like a small, really retarded, nitpicky thing that nobody would fucking notice except for no, 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 like no, me. no. That is, it is, it is super justified to complain when movies pretend to represent gamers and then fail utterly. Oh, and the thing that pisses off me, pisses me off even fucking more. So when we see the, when we see the game, when we see like the board game change into a video game, how that works is it's nineteen ninety six. Uh, a dad is like jogging along the beach or whatever, and then hears the drums, and then finds, oh, hey, Jumanji. Brings it home for his kid because he thinks his kid might be into it. But the kid is a teenager in the 90s, so he's wearing fucking Judas Priest t-shirts and playing PlayStation. And I mean that literally. He has a PlayStation. I think he's playing Twisted Metal. Cool. But then he looks at the board game and is like, who the fuck plays board games anymore? Then puts it on a shelf. Later that night, the the board game realizes he realizes he'd only play video games, and so changes into a fucking Famicom cartridge, or something equivalent, like the, like the very stumpy fucking thin cartridges that don't have any like they don't have any like room up top. Mm-hmm. So the kid brushes all the stuff he put on top of the board game that we never saw him put on top of the board game, and opens it up, and then pulls out his wood paneled gaming system. Slaps I thought the, you said 90s. Yeah. He has a wood panel gaming system there in his room. This is the 90s. Next the, to his the PlayStation. Hipster, the hipster era of like, oh, we want to play old games all the time because that was the best. Didn't happen until the 2000s. No, that's the thing. It's not even that. Like, like a, a an argument could be made that it was something that his dad had lying around. It was his first game console. No, nah, I can't make that argument. <laughs> I can. I can't make that argument because, like, I, I, don't, I don't believe that that's... I don't believe that that's the way a person of that age would react. No, would he behave. wouldn't. He would fucking not. He would look at this goddamn cartridge and go, What the fuck? This doesn't work on my PlayStation. Fuck you. And throw it out of the goddamn window. The, and the best part is there's a simple way to fix that. Make it a PlayStation disc. No! The dad comes in and says, Hey, when'd you get this game? How about we play together? Because I'm a goober and want to uh, be com- connected to my children. They can't do that. There are only five playable characters, and if the dad went in, then only three people from the main plot would be able to go into the game, not four. No, they can quite simply fix it by saying, Oh, shit, I've got to go do business things, son. Um, You play on without me. I'll, I'll uh, join in when I get back. Yeah, no. Both plot holes fixed, even the one that I created, like that. Well, no, because they show early because they show that the second you choose a character, you get sucked into the game. No, no, no. He doesn't choose. He doesn't ever get to choose a character. Then why would the like, son choose just, character? Because his dad made him. <laughs> his dad started the game up, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. His dad started the game up, and then said, "Oh, son, I gotta go. You play on without me." Then as soon as the then as soon as he goes away, the kid will go, "Fuck this! I go back to playing Twisted Metal." Or well, I might as well see what it's like. That's how I was when I was a kid. Yeah, but you weren't some fucking shitbag wearing torn jeans and steel-toed boots. I was wearing torn jeans, but that's because I was poor. Yeah, he wasn't. He was living in suburbia. Mm. Yeah, his wall was fucking Iron Maiden posters and, like, spiked wristbands. So cool. This is not the kind of fucking kid who, when his dad would leave, would do the thing his dad said to do. He would probably intentionally shit into the fucking cartridge slot. (laughs) 
It's like, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And then think that's a really great song before Rage, before Rage Against the Machine wrote it. Anyway. So yeah. Start of the fucking real plot. Uh, guy playing Street Fighter wrong. He then finishes up an essay that he is writing for the for the football guy. Then puts on Purell like cologne and leaves the house wearing a raincoat in the middle of a sunny day. What era is this supposed to take place in? Today. Yeah, they do realize that that doesn't... Ha- is he getting paid by the jock? Uh, I think it's... I'm not 100% sure. I kind of zoned out when they actually were explaining why they were doing this. If it's because they're friends or because, like, whatever, then that's acceptable. But, they're not. Like, uh, the uh, the guy, Fridge, hates them. Hates them. He, they, like, like, the reason there are four characters is so that two of them is so that in pairs, they can realize they can reconcile their differences and become better people because of the situation, because of the uh, experience they had together. Yay. <laughs> but no, I, I I do have one thing to say. Yes, it is perfectly justified to not only complain about, but to openly hate something because it betrays, you know, uh, like an idea that it's easily pushing forward. And I say that because I actively hate sword out online not because of the terrible story but because it fucking misrepresents an mmo so hard that i turned off the first episode 10 minutes in i just sneezed so hard i hurt my butthole (laughs) (laughs) and i feel like that's a metaphor for the movie (laughs) oh god that that's brilliant (laughs) i sneezed so hard i hurt my butthole (laughs) oh Yes, yeah, so everybody gets detention and are sent down to the basement on a Saturday to remove staples from old magazines so the magazines can be recycled. Okay. Then Fridge, the football one, as he's looking around, finds an old game console. They have a TV there because, yeah, they would be left alone with the television. Eh, it's the school basement. So they plug it in, and it's like, hey, Jumanji, and then it does the opening crawl from the fucking board game Jumanji. Then they have to choose their characters. The nerd chooses The Rock. The big football guy chooses Kevin Hart for retarded reasons. What's his retarded reason I have to hear? See, the the character he chooses, that character's nickname is Mouse. But with the font, they think it's Moose. Ow. Ow. That actively hurt. That actively hurt. The popular that was Insta- so stupid, that hurt. The popular Instagram model girl joins in and chooses Shelly Oberon, described as a curvy genius. It's Jack Black. And the nerdy girl chooses Ruby Roundhouse, which is Karen Gillan, who is a parody of Lara Croft. They then get sucked into the game. In one of the few instances that treats being sucked into a, in one of the few instances where the thing treats something that happened in the movie as like actually kind of serious and kind of fucked up. Like remember in the fucking first movie when they when like the when like 
Alan started being sucked into the game, and it was like a scene out of a fucking horror movie. Yeah, that shit was scary. <sighs> I love that movie. They treat this scene like that. Then immediately back to jokes. They land, and he's like, oh my, and especially like, oh my god, my hair's gone, but I have muscles. Oh, there's so many fucking allergens out here. And then Kevin Hart shows up, and I am short like Kevin Hart is. What is the deal, yo? Then Jack Black acts like a girl. Or specifically what a 45-year-old thinks a girl acts like. Then Karen Gillan shows up and goes, where are the rest of my clothes? Why am I wearing a halter top and short shorts in the fucking jungle? <laughs> I, I love that. Then Jack like, Black gets eaten great. by a hippo. Uh... And we learn of the lives system. Because the game, because Jumanji based itself on a fucking... PlayStation game, which is a which is a system that began weeding out the idea of lives in video games. Uh, why not a Nintendo? So yeah, they realize they each have three lives, and they explain it in the tone of voice that I'm explaining it to you right now. They meet their tutorial character, who is just the fucking worst. His dialogue is terrible. This is the worst video game. And we get the plot. Where apparently in this world, uh, the the, guy, the character that Spencer is, The Rock, I'm just going to call him The Rock now, from now on. The Rock's partner uh, came to Jumanji and stole a magic emerald from the fucking Jaguar statue that gave him the power to pull millipedes inside his ears. Or something. So the tutorial okay. character, he stole the he stole the emerald and then ran away and called Dr. Bravestone, who is the rock. And says, hey, here's the thing. Go fucking be you, dude. Peace. I'm gonna leave you in the middle of the jungle. And then... This is not how Jumanji sounded from, like, Robin Williams' That's because it fucking isn't. I... Jumanji is a fucking magic jungle place that is a goddamn nightmare. It is not and a, a locale from Uncharted. isn't cake. That's not a goddamn I... thing. The fucking... Oh, God. Oh, God. The fucking character stats. They're the most retarded fucking thing I've ever seen. The weakness system. No, not even the weakness system. Like, like weaknesses. That's fine. Like they're like no. They're, like they're, it's no, not no, fine no, because it's being executed fucking, terribly. Let me fucking talk for a second. But, okay, so yeah, having weaknesses for characters is fine. There are th- there are some things characters are actually weak against. It's the fact that they implement it like that is the most retarded thing. But then also the fact that the rock just has none. Like imagine this as a real game. If anybody played this for a second and they weren't the fucking they weren't the rock, they would never play this game again. Throughout all the promotional material and like the explanation as to why the fuck this happened, their explanation is the game wants to be played. So why the fuck wouldn't you make it a fair game? Yeah. Ugh. What are, what are the weaknesses? I got to know. Uh the rock's weaknesses are none. 
Yeah, I got that part. Uh, Jack Black's weaknesses is endurance. Yeah, that makes sense. Because he's fat. Yeah. Karen's Gillen, Karen Gillen's weaknesses are irrelevant. What? Uh, I did not get far enough for her weaknesses to become a thing, and I don't remember what it says uh, as, as her weaknesses in the actual thing. So I'm actually going to try to... Uh... Oh, her weakness being Venom. Okay. So yeah, fucking Kevin Hart is weak to everything, including cake. The Kung Fu lady is weak to Venom. Jack Black is weak to Endurance. And The Rock is God. So no one ever wants to play as Tiny Man. And everybody wants to be The Rock is what I'm getting from this. Yeah, everybody wants to be The Rock. The second person everybody wants to be is the, is the fucking karate girl because they have karate. Nobody wants, to be, nobody wants to be the person who reads the map. And the guy who carries the rock's guns. That is literally the lamest. Like, I'd want to be Jack Black just because there's some challenge to it. But fucking Christ to everything else that's stupid. Like, I would actually choose, genuinely choose Jack Black's character for the challenge that it would give me. But fuck the rest of that noise. I feel like I'm being really pedantic about this. Like, nobody who was making this movie sat down and thought, how can we make this a fun game? Which and that's is, the problem! Well, it's... it's actually yes, kind of it not, is a seri- it's, it's actually kind of not, because, like, in the first movie, nobody sat down and thought, how can we make this a fun game? Yes, but the thing is, we never got to see it as an actual game. Yes, we and did. And the board game does look fun. We literally saw the entire board game. Yes, but, like... The board game does look fun. It just doesn't look nice. Like, this seems like a massively just unfair game in general. Like, like everyone wants to be the rock, and that's the only character that anybody's ever going to play. So if you're playing by yourself, pick the rock. Yeah, the, period. They're, they're kind of like able to get around it in the first movie because in the first movie, it was the board game. Like, like, like all right, so we have this board game. You roll dice and move a number of spaces. Then something happens. Not a lot of thought was having to put was having to be put into game mechanics. There wasn't like some fucking like deck that you could pull like you get out of jail free cards or whatever out of. It was just roll dice, move, something happens. Same thing with fucking Zathura. Where just you hit a thing, a number comes up, then you move. But with this, they put it into the realm of a video game, which means more thought has to be put into it. But nobody was willing to put in that thought beyond, it's, it's called Jumanji, so it's a jungle. The Rock's in it. So it's Kevin Hart. Go fuck yourself. And yeah, watching it made me disgusted. Not not even like for the reasons I just mentioned. It was it was for the stuff I mentioned before they got into the actual movie. Like the production side of things. I watched that watched that movie. It genuinely disgusted me. Because it was pretty much confirmation that 
This was a different script. Somebody wrote up a pitch of somebody being pulled into a video game. Nobody involved in the production had any faith in it. So they slapped the word Jumanji on it. And just let it be. And I fucking hate them. Yeah. Like those specific people, the people who made the decision to take this idea and call it Jumanji. Disgust me. And I feel like they shouldn't. This this shouldn't this shouldn't piss me off as much as it does. But it fucking does because I because I'm a fucking idiot. It's not bad to want to see something like this done well. The problem is that the people who are making it had no interest in doing it well. It's not even a matter of, I want something like this done well. It's a matter of, I don't want something like this to happen in the first place. Like, I don't... I want movies to just be their own fucking thing again. I don't want to have to fucking go to a movie and then if I want to see anybody's opinion on the movie, have to go through like fucking 19, 19 fucking articles about how about the difference between it and the book it was based on or the game it was based on or the fucking zoetrope it was based on. I want a fucking movie to be a movie. I, if, if somebody out there wants to make a fucking movie about somebody being about people being pulled into a fucking haunted video game, make it. Make your own game. Make your own fucking all that shit. But given where we are now, people will call it Tron, make it some fucking like Tron sequel that's taking place adjacent to the other fucking thing going on. (coughs) And nothing matters anymore. (sighs) Moving on. Voltron's back. I will be watching that for next time. I don't get your hopes up for it. It's all the problems I've had with Voltron up till now are worse in this season. God damn it. Especially because it's six episodes. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't I don't really know. I uh Jumanji kinda drained me. So just kind of barrel through the last couple of episodes. Voltron, it's fine. But they need to fucking figure out what the fuck they're doing. That show is like slowly devolving into like being a worse and worse version of itself every season. Uh, iZombie, that's back. It's kind of interesting. I kind of watched the first episode and then didn't watch any others. Might get around to it. Not sure. The last thing, started watching Altered Carbon. My favorite character is a hotel. What? So have you heard of Altered Carbon? No. 
So it's a Netflix. So it's a Netflix original series based on a book. Because fuck me. Where in the future, uh, a technology has been developed that has become so ubiquitous, every person on the planet gets it gets it installed when they turn one. It's called a stack. Okay. It's a little disc that is put in your spine directly below your brainstem. So that when your physical body dies, your brain goes into the stack. Which can then be removed and re-sleeved into a new body. Okay. And that's kind of the world now. The rich people, like the super fucking elite, the wealthy ones, um, they call them meths or Methuselahs. And they're basically immortal. That actually makes me think about, uh, I told you about a weird animated short that I watched. Mm. That makes me think about that. Yeah, and then meanwhile, the people on the ground, uh, they are living their lives, kind of doing whatever. Um, sometimes, like, when they die, they, sometimes, like, when people die, they'll, like, have their stacks removed to put into new bodies so that they can tell people, so they can tell the cops who murdered them. There's like a religious or there's like a religious movement out there uh, stating that like where people join it and if they join if they join up with it, then they legally cannot have their stacks removed and uh re- and spun back up because it's against their religious beliefs. Uh, the, the, like VR has become VR and AR has become way more integral into society to the point where like people have like AR contact lenses that serve as their like cell phones and f- as advertising for the rest of reality. And it's all really fucking cool. And so about 250 years previous. Okay. There were a group of people called envoys. Envoys were people who were trained to stand up to the government. And they were trained to be re-sleeved into any body, put into some world, be like, like integrate themselves into that world, like fucking society or whatever. And gain allies in order to be able to activate in an instant and rise up and be able to successfully do counter fucking like guerrilla missions. Okay. Our main character, Takeshi Kovacs, a I believe it is Polish and Japanese person. He is. He was one of these envoys, uh, working for and being in a very close relationship with the head of the envoys and the main person leading this rebellion. Uh, he fails and gets captured, and is resleeved two hundred and fifty years later, in a new body, the body of a white dude. Okay. So take that, you whitewashing fucks. It's part of the story. Uh, they. Yeah, so he 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 got spun back up and is essentially released on early parole because one of the richest people on the planet was murdered, and he hired and he essentially is hiring um, Kovacs uh, or Kovash Kovac. I I'm not trying to pronounce it, but he's hiring this guy to solve his murder Because, because like, uh, because like, when people get killed, uh, their stack is their stack gets fucking saved or whatever. But if the stack is destroyed 
or they get shot in the head by energy weapons, then they are, then they are dead for realsies. Okay. He did get shot in the head by a fucking energy weapon, but luckily, because he's super fucking wealthy, he is a satellite where a fucking imprint of his of his fucking personality and brain is uploaded to every two hours. Oh fuck him! Yeah, he's that rich. Hell, he's so rich at at a company that builds sleeves and makes sleeves. He has a vault full of like two thousand versions of himself, his wife, and his son. So if anything happens to their bodies. Then they can just fucking re-up themselves into the exact same body. Uh. And his wife his wife is so fucking flippant with their wealth that she actually specifically paid to have her bodies engineered so that they exude ecstasy. Like the drug? Like a like yeah, a future version of ecstasy that makes people super fucking horny whenever she's turned on. Okay. I can approve of this. And yeah, so it is uh, Kovesh and uh, Kovesh and his hotel, the Raven, run by an AI, art- run by an artificial intelligence based on the based on the personality of Edgar Allan Poe, uh, to figure out who killed this guy, how they killed him, and why they and why they killed him, so that he can so that he can eventually be free of this. Like his whole thing is that hey, if you saw if you figured out who killed me, I will give I will give you a full pardon and you will be free to go do whatever you want. And it's fucking great. I goddamn love this fucking show. What's this show called again? Altered Carbon. And where can I watch this? Netflix. You heard it. You hear. You heard it here, folks. Altered Carbon. P- Everybody's already watched. Sounds it. awesome. Everybody's already watched it. It's been out for fucking months. Shut up. Yeah, I fucking love this thing. It is. It reminds me a lot of like a new Blade Runner. But, like, with more stuff happening. Like, like, the one thing I always hear about Blade Runner is that Blade Runner is very fucking slow, except for those couple of beats that you actually, that, like, people know about. Like, that, like, the first thing with, like, the first meeting with, like, a fucking replicant and Rutger Hauer's speech at the end about teardrops in the rain. Everything in between that, super slow. In this, though, things fucking move. And not in a way, not in a way that actually like hurts the show or anything. It actually, it's moving along at a very decent clip. And and that and that helps it a lot. Like and that helps it a lot. And uh, it makes the world the world the world does the world feels very fucking uh, Blade Runner. There's a lot of like gray industrial, very fucking like, gray industrial and Japanese neon. With just everything being wet at all times. Especially your girlfriend. Yeah, and it is they they do spend they do spend some time actually thinking about like how things would change. Because like with people not dying, population's gonna be a problem. So there's a point where we see San Francisco. I think like the big chunk of the a good chunk of it is set in somewhere around like San Francisco or New York or like one of those big bridges, one of those like fancy bridges. Those bridges have been turned into like slum housing. Where it's just a bunch of fucking like cargo containers stacked on top of each other to make makeshift apartments. Cool. Yeah. Meanwhile, all the rich people live in the Jetsons, where they live above the clouds in big fancy lofts and fucking mansions or whatever. 
Oh, it's so cool. The look of it, the way the way the fucking everything moves, and like the envoys. So the envoys have a. The reason why like Joel Kinnaman, uh, Kovacs was uh, specifically brought out was because he was an envoy. Because envoys, on top of being able to like insert themselves into society and whatever, they're also like fucking great detectives because they are. As Kovacs has repeatedly said, they're all about the details. To the point where like he actually to the point where he is able to beat himself up to kill other people. What? Yeah, so uh he it's the first day out there, he's going to investigate some stuff, and he gets and he is like about to check into the hotel when a group of fucking mercenaries show up to try to get him and kill him. They start beating the shit out of him. And he is specifically like intentionally goading them on and getting them to punch in such a way that push him closer to the desk so that he can actually officially register as a guest of the guest of the fucking hotel. Then the hotel pulls out two fucking miniguns and blows these fuckers away. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I will always applaud something like that. And then, yeah, just him going around investigating shit, looking at reviewing evidence, getting help from other people and stuff. And there's a cop constantly on his ass because she is specifically, she specifically has a very, she has a bone to pick with the, with the family that released the released Kovash from prison. So you're saying he's into pegging? No. <laughs> or he might be. I don't know. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what that is, don't look it up. People jump from body to body, and it can get weird. Hell, there's even a term for it. Cross-sleeving. And this is weird. This is kind of dumb, but I kind of really like this. Uh, so when Kovacs is initially brought back as Joel Kinnaman, uh, there's an old lady sitting next to him. He like tries to offer a cigarette and she doesn't understand what's happening as he's leaving prison. We see her turns out she's a seven year old girl trapped in the body of a 47 year old woman. Oh God. She was murdered, but then was able to be brought back because of the sleeving thing. But the family couldn't afford to buy a proper sleeve. So they just got a government assistance sleeve and all they got was what they had. Fuck. And I fucking love that. Just this fucking idea that the government ha- that the government is like, you know, required to like or like there's some like program saying like, hey, if you can't afford to sleep, don't worry, we'll be provided to you. It's gonna be a piece of shit. Kinda like a lawyer. Yeah, exactly. I I love that. It's a small thing, but it's a thing that makes the most amount of sense. Just if sleeves have become such a fucking huge thing, then there will always be people who will need like some kind of social assistance in order to get them. The ones they're getting are going to be dog shit. Oh, so cool. This show is great. If you haven't seen it yet, go fucking watch Altered Carbon. Well, I know what I'll be doing tonight while I'm grinding my way through um, .hackgu to finally finish the uh, fourth episode. Ah, oh, so good. Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Those are what we're watching, then. On to news. So first up, uh, the DC Cinematic Universe still exists, apparently. 
as Warner Brothers has just announced that they have hired uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein to direct the Flash movie. <sighs> you might recognize those names as writers, specifically writers of the Horrible Bosses movies and 17% of the writing team responsible for Spider-Man Homecoming. That means nothing. You also might recognize John Daly as he played uh, fucking Sweets in Bones. Oh, well, I like him as an actor, but still means nothing for me as a writer. He and Jonathan Goldstein are actually pretty decent writers. Okay. They've written some. They've written a couple solid movies. I've also written a couple uh, real shit ones. Like the well, let's see how long it takes for DC to fire them. As I'm, I'll give them like a month. I'd give them four. <laughs> <sighs> uh, we don't have faith in DC anymore, people. Of course we fucking don't. Anywho, moving right along. Uh, John Favreau is going to be executive produce is going to be executive producing and writing a live action Star Wars TV series. Ooh! Don't get too excited because it's a fucking Star Wars live action TV series. I like Star Wars. <laughs> I I've tried to play so many Star Wars uh, tabletops and RPGs. I'm going to get excited because it's Star Wars. I'm not even excited for the movies anymore, and I still get excited for the movies. <laughs> because I like Star Wars. Yeah, no release date is set for that, but that's happening. We didn't really know much about it. Just Kathleen Kennedy was like, yo, check out our shit. You will never not have a Star Wars property, you fucking monsters. Yay, I'm a monster. All right along. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name, and I apologize for that, but uh, Ava DuVernay uh, has signed on to direct, signed on for Warner Brothers uh, to direct The New Gods, an adaptation of the Jack Kirby a pantheon of new gods. I am very wary. Yeah. This is not something that makes me excited. This is something that makes me worried. Uh, Cario Salem, uh, writer of Chasing Mavericks, which I don't even fucking know what this goddamn thing is. Oh, it was a biopic about a surfer. So he's been hired to write. Uh, he'll be working with uh, DuVernay on the narrative. Uh, DuVernay, if you ha- if you don't know, uh, she was the director of Selma, the uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. biopic. That was very well received when it came out. Yeah, it was very well done. Yeah. Uh, she's also worked on a couple other things since then. Uh, main ones being uh, A Wrinkle in Time. I'm looking forward to seeing that so much. Yeah. She did that, too. Like, I'm probably going to see that, like, two days after it comes out. So, for once, I'll actually be talking about a current movie that people care about, unlike Early Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, she kind of painted the idea of maybe working on something with uh, with the new gods uh, late last year, when she was asked on social media who her favorite superhero was, and why. 
Uh, she responded with Big Barda, many reasons. Which is a pretty good answer. Big Barda is dope. Yeah, Big Garda Big Barda is awesome. Yeah. Big Garda. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that'll be happening. They're probably gonna fuck it up. And final thing. Uh the CW has officially uh, has confirmed uh, that Matt Ryan and his portrayal of John Constantine will be uh, will be upgraded to series regulars in Legends of Tomorrow next season. Still looking forward to when uh, my Netflix has it. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, Legends of Tomorrow is the best superhero show currently on TV. It's about a bunch of time traveling weirdos going around doing whatevs. Doing time shit. Fighting great villains and giant CG psychic gorillas. Fucking love that show. I started typing in win will and the first thing to come up was Netflix get season three of DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Like that was the first question. (laughs) You sure about that? For me. Because when I typed in when will, I got when will I die. Maybe I've Googled it before. And when will Bitcoin crash? When will it snow? When will the sun die? When will we be legal in Canada? When will when will you learn? When will I see you again? When will GPU prices drop? And when will winter end in 2018? April 2018. Stop making me wait. It's only a couple more weeks. Too long. Other news. New releases. Fucking dog shit. Because Sherlock Gnomes comes out this week. That actually looks like it might be fun. I will hurt you. <laughs> Fuck you. Gnomeo and Juliet was fun. Fuck you. Uh. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, I hurt Dead Man, and I love it. <laughs> oh, <good> God! <laughs> Jesus Christ! This fucking franchise exists, and they have fucking names behind this. Yeah, they do. <laughs> fucking James McAvoy, Emily Blunt, Michael Caine, Maggie fucking Smith. Julie Waters, Matt Lucas, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be good. <laughs> Nelly Furtado, I thought she was dead. Uh. I don't even know if she fucking acted. You know who Nelly Furtado is? Nope. Oh yeah, you wouldn't know, you don't do anything with music. Nope. I am caveman. Hear me not give a fuck. Anyway, then next week, uh, Ready Player One. I've been getting less excited for that as time has gone on. I haven't really ever had a level of interest above kind of. Like, it just kind of seems 
don't know. I feel like I've seen it before. Like before it even came out. Like I feel like I've seen a more interesting version of it just without the nostalgia in it. Well, I'd like to know what you watched because I won't watch the fuck out of that. Uh, Summer Wars? Never heard of it. Yes, I have heard of it. Never mind. Yeah, it's an anime movie from a dude who did a bunch of Digimon stuff. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Summer Wars was awesome. Yeah, I know this was. is an anime, the anime podcast, but go watch Summer Wars. A dude had to do math to stop from dying. Anyway, then also coming out next week, uh, two pieces of shit. Uh, so first up, a new Tyler Perry movie Whoa. called Acrimony, starring Taraji P. Henson. You know, calling back from a fucking person of interest. Nope. <laughs> it's a horror movie, I think, or a thriller or something. Okay. But it's... <laughs> Tyler Perry's a fucking dumbass. Like, as soon as I saw fucking Tyler Perry's Acrimony, I was like, oh, okay, it's a new Medea movie. But no, it's a fucking straight-up suspense movie about, like, somebody trying to murder her husband after finding out she, after finding out he cheated on her? I don't know. The other one is God's Not Dead. A Light and Darkness. Don't care about that franchise. It's a pile of crap for forbidden eyes. I mainly care about it because Ralph the Movie Maker, the YouTuber, does a bunch of, does like some really good breakdowns of these fucking movies. Yeah, so for those who don't know, God's Not Dead is a franchise of movies. Where every movie, an atheist gets murdered, and Christians are what? like, this, and this, Christians are like, this is a good thing, yes. I thought it was an atheist getting converted. Uh, no, so the first movie uh, is about a young religious college student uh, trying to, uh, trying to uh, getting into a very heated debate with his philosophy professor, played by Kevin Sorbo, TV's Hercules. Uh, who then, by the end of the movie, uh, loses his wife, loses his job, loses everything, gets hit by a car, and dies, but not before, but not before saying, "I believe in Jesus." And then everybody around him is like, "This was a miracle that happened here today, people." I am staring into empty space, open mouthed. The second movie is about Sabrina the Teenage Witch being a high school teacher and then being fucking sued for saying the word Jesus in class. Like somebody asked, like somebody asked a question, like she was doing like a history lesson or something and then somebody asked a question about the Bible or like fucking Christian or something to do with Christianity. Then she responded in a very reasonable way. Like, they asked a question, she, citing sources, responded to that question, then some kid texted his parents, and then the school was like, and the school was like, how the hell could you do this? Mentioning the Bible about a, mentioning the Bible in response to a question about the Bible. So then she sues the school to get her job and, back. And Christians like these movies? Yes. It portrays them as nut jobs. 
Because then she, I, bl- I believe she sues the school to get her job back, ends up winning, and then Ray Wise, who was playing the opposition, has to walk out of has to walk out of court, um, like ashamed or whatever, because through these court proceedings, he proved the existence of God. What? These movies are stupid. Now, I just want to say this. I used to be a Christian. The only reason I stopped was because of Christians. Yeah. Um. These movies are not making me want to go back. Here's a description for the newest one. <laughs> a church destroyed. A congregation silenced. A relationship shattered. Yet even in life's darkest valleys, a small flame can light the way toward healing and hope. After a deadly fire rips through St. James Church, Hadley University leaders use the tragedy to push the congregation off campus, forcing the church to defend its rights and bringing bringing together estranged brothers for a reunion that opens old wounds and forces them to address the issues that pulled them apart. In theaters nationwide, March 30th, 2018, God's Not Dead, A Light in Darkness is a powerful reminder that in all circumstances, we are called to be a light for Jesus to a world in desperate need of hope. Thanks, Pure uh, Flicks. Uh, Michael, Manson, uh, you fuck, Michael Mason, you fucking did it again. Uh, uh, or for the first time. I think this is actually, this actually is... Yeah, this is the first movie he's made in 39 years. The other one being a 1979 film called Money Madness, a rock documentary about Eddie Money. Uh, Hey, what, what the fuck? What the absolute fuck? This franchise fucking runs deep, dude. I uh, okay. I'm not surprised you haven't heard of it or really gone really gone super deep into it. The first movie has a cameo appearance by the Duck Dynasty guys. That surprises me not at all. And Dean Kane is in it. Uh, in order, Dean Kane is in it uh, so that he can um, dump his. Dump his mistress after she gets cancer. That also doesn't surprise me. Then the second movie, that character who had cancer went into remission. The cancer was gone. And then a band that sings the titular song, God's Not Dead, is like, blessed be the Lord who cured your cancer. How about the doctor? Yeah, fucking you know, God. The one who spent twelve years studying medicine. I'm all for the belief in a yeah, higher bitch. What's power twelve years helping? of medicine compared to compared to infinity of existence? God won modern science. Go fuck yourself. Like seriously, I am fully in support of the belief in a higher power. I know there has to be one. I just refuse to support Christianity because you're all bigoted fucks. Um, but. Not giving credit where it's due, you know, the fucking doctor who actually spent years learning how to doctor. Not to mention, like, the other doctors working in there and the nurses. 
Yeah. And the people who like, actually the people who are actually involved in like the development of the medicine that she used. At least give them some credit. <laughs> no, nope, oh god. Like I'm even Spirit, willing for baby. you to say thank God for giving me this doctor who knew what he was doing. No, nope. like, I'll accept fucking that. Not nope. just thank God. Jesus came down and was like, "Yo, I turned your cancer into wine." Now you have a different medical condition because there's wine in your bloodstream directly. <laughs> <laughs> it just bypasses the. It's like, hey, I cured, hey, I cured your fucking disease, and then just as he leaves, there's all of a sudden start like convulsing and vomiting. It's like, oh god, I just butt chugged a bottle of vodka. <laughs> Actually, it would probably be even worse than that. I'm pretty sure, like, getting alcohol directly into the bloodstream like that could kill you. Yeah, yeah, it does. So can butt chugging. It bypasses the mm. liver, which doesn't actually filter out anything, so it's just alcohol directly to the bloodstream. You can get out, al- like, in the amount of alcohol you can just directly drink and be fine, you can get alcohol poisoning multiple times over. Yeah. Uh, Remember, kids, thank God for your liver. There's something, I don't know. There's a movie coming out where, like, the the advertising is one of the guys has to butt chug. Don't that's, watch that movie. That's the advertisement that they thought would make me want to see that pile of fetid shit. That's a bad movie. Yeah. Anyway. That's it for this week. Thank y'all for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks' time. With that episode of the, with the same Rock. level of professionalism. Oh hell yeah! Maybe if you pay me, I get more professional. People out there on the internet, patreon.com says that's prods. Maybe I'll put on pants for one of these recordings. And eh, these aren't video. Yeah, but you know, pants. I podcasted naked before, dude. Yeah, so have I. Anyway, I'll be back. Yes, enough. Maybe we'll rec- maybe we'll do video, and you'll be forced to see us naked. No, we'll never do never. Video. We'll never do video. Never. <laughs> Though I do have an HDMI camera now. We'll be back in two weeks. Time with episode of the Surprise dot com movies television podcast. In between now and then, though, don't watch Jumanji. Just don't ever. Don't support it. Don't even talk about it. I'm part of the problem. And I'm leaving this space open for Caveman. Oh, no, no. I have nothing to add. <laughs> like, okay. I, like, I just agree with you. Okay, then. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Like, I, I, I was just sitting there nodding in silent agreement. Goodbye, everyone, for time. I can't see you nod. I know, but I'm letting you know. Okay. <laughs>